Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod of which will challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep us positive, to avoid lazy negativity, we have decided to make this episode and all of our episodes a drinking game. So this one. anytime we say anything negative at all, you're going to hear this sound. That sound means we need to take a drink and you should drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass and uh, we're recording two in a row. So everyone's a little bit loose. Uh, apparently we didn't buzz Brandon enough last. So There it Fair is. Enough. Cheers, friends. Uh, well, you're you both go. drinking clear Cheers. liquids. That sounds, this seems awfully, awfully well hydrated of you. <laughs> oh, shit. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for our Bonnie and Clyde episode. We're also going to have a little mini review of Equalizer 3. That is Antoine Fuqua's latest film, which actually came out. No spoilers, because I haven't seen it yet. That's the mini review. Mini review. Short, no spoilers, spoiler free by the two says. That's their last name, people. I'm not speaking in terrible English. John say, Brandon say are here. We're going to introduce our guest, Brandon, in a second. We just recorded a little housekeeping here. We just recorded our first episode with our guest, Brandon a.k.a. the artist Dasein. We talked about The Square from 2017, Ruben Ostlung's follow-up to Force Majeure before last year's Triangle of Sadness. People, you know this. Two for two palm doors. Also, for our friends and family and our fans, you know that we drink for real on this podcast, so we're doing it back-to-back. This is episode number two for us, so we're yeah. about to have some fun. So, for God's sake, go to our YouTube, and you can watch Jeff struggle like fuck at the moment to get this intro out. I did not write this down. We do not have a producer. <laughs> and if you're a producer out there, go ahead and reach out to us, but we're not going to pay you. All right, we're going to introduce <laughs> Brandon. Yes. Into a producer. So like I said, we're going back to film school. We're going back to film school with Bonnie and Clyde, which at least one of us here has never seen before. And at least one of us may have fallen asleep at, but I don't know. We'll see. Bonnie and Clyde, we're going to talk about in a second. And of course, Equalizer 3. And I think that's it for our housekeeping. John, do you want to go ahead and introduce our sponsors slash our guest? He gets front billing now, don't you? He does, he does. (laughs) He does. His name is Brandon Say. He's the docile man, but... It doesn't make sense. Man. Yet, so I... yeah. <laughs> With a different background. He's been doing it the same way for 200 episodes and we just fucked him. Yeah. We just fucked him up. The Dasein Man. <laughs> you just so sounded like you're out of the 70s. Carlos... The Dasein right. Man. Carlos Barroso makes beer. Cbarroso.beer. Our guest today is Dasein. D-A-S-E-I-N. He's on the show. He's live. He's my brother. He's back. He was with us the previous week. Uh, anyone who was listening to the previous episode, he's got some uh, some new music dropping over the next uh, few weeks. So make sure to check that out on the typical music platforms. I think that Spotify playlist group is obviously only on Spotify. Is that correct? Uh, the, or so YouTube? The, the new, yeah, exactly. The new music videos for all my previously released stuff is now on YouTube. So you can find me there and uh, find those playlists, find those videos. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure our link tree yeah. takes uh, takes back. them to the Spotify. So, okay. love that. Yeah. Well, we'll fix that. We'll do that as well. All right. <laughs> so. Brandon, we did not buzz you enough last time. I'm just curious. I just out of nowhere because, you know, we, we used to have this thing where we would prop up bad movies. What is the worst movie you've ever seen in your life? Ooh. And did you walk out? Or Dude, have you? It might. Okay. I have a couple of contenders. If we count miniseries... I know I'm gonna get a bunch of shit for this, but I thought that uh, that 1990 it was fucking terrible. Okay, mm. good. There you oh, go. Wow. 
I, there are some diehard fans of that. And I think it's only because I love the book so much. Yeah. Sure. And I just thought it was fucking terrible. There's even a documentary I mean, about play. making that. All right, go ahead, Brandy. You're, you're and it's not Tim on. Curry. I, I don't. He's the only good thing in it. It's everything else, like literally everything else. All right, go ahead and take a drink. Spider. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. Your drink light is on. Have you ever walked out of a movie? I don't think so. Whoa. No, but I've turned some off. And the other one that came to mind was Terminator 4. The one with Christian Bale. No, I, I mean, I, I would have said Salvation. Terminator 3, to be honest. Fair <laughs> enough, too. <laughs> All right. Wow. Friends. Interesting. Nice. All right. There we go. Let's do it. What are we talking about? Well, we're going to get to Bonnie and Clyde in a second, but we should start here with our mini review, which is our Mm. spoiler-free reviews that we're doing. Uh, Dave and I, I believe, have not seen Antoine Fuqua's latest film, but you two have, so say, take it away. Wait, I have one quick thing. Are we we not doing gripes anymore? Because I came with a gripe. Oh! Oh. You want to do a gripe? (laughs) Oh! Here we go. You ready? We're going to activate your timer now. It seems to me like... It might be the case that the rest of the world didn't grow up with the looming threat of verbal and sometimes physical violence for smacking your food, because I work with a bunch of people that do not know how to fucking close their mouth when they (laughs) eat food around me at work, and it's driving me fucking crazy. Oh, my God. I I have a couple as well. Yep. Yeah? Where did this... Where's... Where's the gap? I don't know. I I feel like asking for their address and go around slapping their parents. It's like... Or their older Apparently siblings. Apparently, I'm the Thank awesome. you, Laura. Shout out Dave, to Laura. Dave, it's not your segment. Keeping us straight. <laughs> I think we also grew up in a house where that was taken very seriously. Oh, same. Yes. Did you, Jeff? Oh, my God. I couldn't even put my you elbows on the table. I couldn't even this? put my elbows on the table. Damn. Some waspy shit over there. In the waspy, <laughs> shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> also, fuck people that ride their bike in a traffic circle while looking at their phone and not holding onto their handlebars. Oh, I, I agree, shit. but you did say something yeah, negative. They're like the kid, <laughs> yeah. in the, like the kid in the square. They can just get hit. I mean, all you nice. do is take one of them out. It makes the news. The others stop doing it. Just saying. <laughs> don't. Okay, look, to our listeners, don't run people down in roundabouts. <laughs> Even if they open the door, unless it's John Wick, get him with the door. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, did you rewatch? I rewatched first and second Equalizer because Elizabeth had never seen them. So I watched the first one for the first time when my buddy Park came to visit back in April. I had never even heard of these movies, and uh, and so I watched the first one then, and then I watched the second one a couple days before going to see this. And I thought that Mark, I think it was Mark, made a great point, or maybe it was Matt. These movies came out every year that a John Wick movie came out, and they got overshadowed because they're relatively oh, similar, mm. you know. And I and I think that's what happened to me. I just I'd never heard of them, and my friend is such a huge Denzel fan that he turned me on to it. So yeah, I I didn't rewatch them, but I watched them for the first time leading up to it. I used to watch the original I mean, series on TV. But I haven't seen yeah, the movies Yeah, I didn't yet. realize that it was a anything. series yeah. until I saw the credits in this one. Yeah. Hmm. This was definitely, yeah, same for me with the, um, I have been really into these movies, but I didn't watch the first one when it came out initially. And I kind of discovered it by myself, just naturally just looking for something to watch. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. And that first one, fucking, I love, I love <laughs> that first one so much. I mean, he's definitely kind of the John Wick, you know. He's kind of a Superman. 
So you don't go into these actually thinking he's not going to win. They're revenge mm. but man, they're fun. And he's, you know, mm. highly specialized skill set, ex, you know, military background that doesn't really get clarified. So he's kind of capable of anything and everything. And it's just unlike all these others that are kind of, the stakes are so high and taken because it's his daughter. The stakes are, the scope is larger for something like John Wick. Because even though it's about like they kill his dog initially, he's a, an assassin in this giant league. Mm-hmm. This is much smaller than that. This is just yeah. a regular man who, with an extraordinary past. And they stick with this theme throughout these movies. Of, if you can do something about it, shouldn't you do something about it? Mm-hmm. Like somebody, someday somebody does something wrong. And if you can do something about it, you do something about it. So it's like this man just finding, you know, if he sees that someone has done something to hurt somebody else or to take advantage of somebody else, he fucking murders them. <laughs> he murders everybody. I think there's something in that for all of us. <laughs> He's the kind of person that like would have gotten sent in to like destabilize an entire country. Like he's like that kind of person, like yeah. single-handedly can just go in, research, break it down. And it's always fun watching them. So, I mean, this one takes place in Italy. He's old. I think they definitely want this to be the last one. He just, they're like, why not? Let's just lean into it. He goes in and just destroys one of the top families in Italy. Just fucking kills everybody. <laughs> like, you know what the movie is? You know what it's going to be? And it's got, it delivers with some really sweet, uh, sweet fight scenes. I do feel like they maybe, I think structurally it got there. This one got there a little too quick for me. The final showdown. I don't know if you felt that way, Brandon, but I feel like by the time we were there, by the time it was over, I thought there was going to be another sequence after it, but it was kind of, Hmm. that was kind of it. I still enjoyed, I still enjoyed watching it, but this one felt a little bit more condensed to me in a way. Uh, I think it was because of how they started it. I I see what you mean, but I I don't think I minded that. And I, I, I will go out and say, I think this is by far the best one. I, I struggle with uh, some I aspects. I struggle with some aspects of the other two, namely that he is so invincible and so distant. This one is a lot more personal. And uh, I think there was a lot more character development. There was more dramaturgy in this one. And I appreciated that it showed a more human side of him instead of just this. He's not just a force. He is when he needs to be, but he finally has conflict with that. The fact that he is, you know, that's like kind of how the movie starts is that him having conflict with who he is, which I just thought was so much more interesting than I think, him I think just I equalizing everybody. <laughs> no, I, th- know, I think like, I agree with that. But at the, at the beginning of this one, he's hurt at the beginning of this movie physically. Yeah. And then he's never hurt again. And I think, I think just physically, I wanted him to have a little bit more of a challenge when he decided to bring yeah. down an entire mafia family. <laughs> I, I guess I don't and really was, care how much he's physically hurt. Like John Wick does that. You know, they actually hurt him. And, oh yeah. you know, that's, and that's there is merit to that. But my problem with the Equalizer movies was that he, he never had any sort of like emotional obstacle. You know, they, mm-hmm. they kind of tried to give that to him sometimes, but not, not, they achieved it at a much greater level, I think, in this one. All right. I enjoyed it. I'm like, gonna butt in way more. It's, than a, I it's a mini review, not a mini analysis. Yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. If you is, liked yeah. one and two, should you go and see this? Hell yeah! Yeah, absolutely. Great. You guys should sit down and watch. Oh one yeah, and two they're on my. They're go. absolutely on my list. I I I dropped the ball on those. I haven't caught them. I really need to. I know want to. They're really you're fun. Gonna, mm, I'll just it. I'll just give one other shout out. 
I think if you've never seen them before, you're going to be really satisfied. The way they portray action, it has its own unique, the way they film it and the way he fights. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like John Wick or Bourne. It mm -hmm. kind of, it feels like the Equalizer movies. And it's, I love the choreography that he does because he's an old man. He's an older man than all of them. And so it doesn't look like he's, oh, John Wick retired, but he's still like supposed to be like in his 40s. Like nobody thinks he's supposed to be in his 60s. Denzel's like late 50s, 60s in most of these movies. So it's kind of interesting watching a man of that age fight that's not 6'6", Liam Neeson or whatever he is, 6'5", yeah. or 6'4", or whatever he is. Oh, Liam, anyway, yeah. Go see, Liam, enjoy, Liam, message, have fun. Message for Liam, just stop. Stop, dude. Stop. Take a rest. <laughs> he's having fun making Take movies. Take a rest. His kids are he's out of school. He's having a blast, His kids dude. are out he's of college, like, yeah. yeah. You're going to bloody hurt yourself, stop it. Some people, especially people of a certain age, they don't want to sit. They don't want to sit at home while they're reading books. They got to get out there. They got to yeah. keep doing it. You know, they got to stay sharp. Old people aren't going back to the theaters. You guys, did you know this? Yeah, I was looking at some numbers the other day. Really, they're not coming back. They they haven't come back yet. They're still not seeing movies. Oh as no, they don't. Monolithic people. What are we talking about, Jeff? Guys, we're talking we about doing? Bonnie and Clyde. We're rocking the clock back to uh, nineteen sixty-seven. 1967 nice. that's right guys i was gifted this book and i can't fucking find it and it's driving me insane that i can't find it my fucking therapist asked me about like this book and i'm like yeah i have it i'll be right back and i went and i came back and i was like i don't know where it is i can't find it but there is a book written by mark harris who you might know as tony Fisher's therapist husband, knows you're missing it for... they're drumming up more business guys uh better health is not <laughs> one of our sponsors but they're, they do really good work right brandon I'm not saying that you no, because you're a doctor. You're a doctor. No, because you're because you're a doctor. You're a medical professional. Yes, go for it. We didn't mention that. That Brand I didn't mean to say like. Are you talking about right, Brandon? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. You crazy Fuck. bastard. He's a medical expert. We have a medical expert on the show. I'm sorry. Oh, the are you job. talking about Drinky pictures drink. at an exhibition? <laughs> pictures, not at an exhibition. No, this is not an exhibition. That's right. Pictures at a Revolution by Mark Harris. Five movies in the birth of the new Hollywood. So basically 1967 changed everything. This is the first year yeah. uh, where basically after Kennedy was assassinated, where uh, the, the kids of the baby boomer, boomer generation all of a sudden started to feel like, hey, you know, I know a lot of credit seems to go to all the James Dean movies, for instance, uh, of that sort of like, you know, we were told that we are the promising children of this epic generation and uh, not a lot to do <laughs> on a day to day basis. And we're pissed because we have emotions and what the fuck. But this year was when film really fucking turned the corner, as everybody knows. I'm not the film historian here. We have others in here. But it's specifically about the movies. Guess who's coming to dinner? The Graduate, in The Heat of the Night, Dr. Doolittle. And of course, the movie we're talking about today. Bonnie and Clyde, which would go ahead and inspire 2001 a Space Odyssey, although Kubrick didn't need any inspiration. It would inspire fucking Easy Rider and Five Angry Pieces. Five Angry Pieces? Five Easy Pieces. All the pieces. Five pieces, for sure. And um, Rosemary's Baby and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're talking really about Bonnie and Clyde. I really want to hear the story of how it fucking inspired Rosemary's Baby. In Just 2001. How it, yeah, 2001. <laughs> it's the age. It's the time period. Independent film, independent cinema was commercially successful. The number one grossing movie of this year was The Graduate mm. by fucking far. And it was a theater director's fucking movie starring a bunch of theater actors, one star. And it was by far the most uh, uh, profitable film. Not Camelot and not The Jungle Book, which came out in 1967. It was Walt Disney's last animated feature film that he um, oversaw before he died a little earlier than people expected. Thoroughly Modern Millie with Julie Andrews. No, 
not these movies, people. We're talking The Graduate, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Bonnie and Clyde. Those were the movies that topped the box office. Uh, what else happened in 1967? I mean, that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? That's and ironically, like, about eight years later, after I was born, I saw The Jungle Book and The Graduate in the same year when they finally came to Australia at the drive-in. When you were one? Six. What do you mean after you were <laughs> When I was six. <laughs> okay. Jesus. <laughs> Guys, the Jungle, wow. Book, the Jungle Book and The Graduate are so good. <laughs> both True. so good. Yeah. We're talking about Finding Clyde. I cannot wait to talk to you about this. I had never seen it before. I'm going to go ahead and air my biases out. I don't know why. I don't know why. Get off my fucking back. You know, it just, had, it just <laughs> hadn't happened before. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, that's fucking it. There was no huge studio film this year. It was it was that transitional period which would inspire United Artists before um, Heaven's Gate fucked everything up in 1980, you know? But basically, this 13-year run was great. So, Arthur Penn's Bonnie and Clyde, co-written by Robert Benton, who just casually wrote and directed Kramer versus Kramer, Pieces of Places of the Heart, you know? And then Robert Towner did all the Superman movies. Casual. Hmm. Was wrote this movie, Arthur Penn, and the fucking score is by Charles Strauss, people who wrote Bye Bye Birdie and wrote fucking Annie. Who would have fucking guessed that that twangy-ass banjo yeah. fucking fiddle music that almost <laughs> sounded like he said 10 versions of the same song and they just played it throughout this whole movie. Who would have thought that guy would write... Spare <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Dude, I, I was getting Living Let Annie. Die vibes. Living Let Die, just over and over again. <laughs> no. da, da, da. Oh my God. And when was, wait, there's another movie that I was going to look up and Google on the podcast Jeff, live. What? Why don't you go first, dude? What did you think? You saw it for the first time. I forgot you were seeing it for the first time. I didn't I, realize I also hadn't seen this. So this is my first time too. I, I thought Dave was wow. the one who fell asleep during this the first time, but that was a different Two movie. guys with a film podcast. Brandon, had you never f- seen Bonnie and Clyde? <laughs> Brandon, had you seen this? No, we were too busy talking about all the fucking Jurassic Park movies, Jurassic World. We saw fucking six <laughs> Jurassic World movies. Um, Brandon, have you ever seen this movie? That man. Uh, I have seen this movie. I watched it back in 2020 because oh. I did. Uh, I went through Dave's favorite list, the AFI Top 100 that year, and <laughs> this is number, I think, 42 on that list. The definitive and list. So, I saw it back then this yeah, week, for the first time. <laughs> um, did you rewatch it? Oh yeah, I rewatched it yesterday. So who did we rent this from? I rented it from uh, Amazon. Jeff Bezos, Space Money. Anybody else? What'd you guys? Uh... iTunes. I, I yeah, I gave Tim Cook my money. Okay, John? Yeah, me too. Yeah, the mothership. Yeah, I gave it to Apple. Guys, this is one of the best movies. All right, movies. let's go, let's this, go, let's this, go. What'd you think? This, Brandon, what'd you think? Yeah, Brandon, what'd you think? Wait, wait, no, we're thought we were going to start with Jeff. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I can't fucking believe how good this movie is. This movie's oh, so good. fucking good. There we go. I mean, it's it's almost yes. easy to say, but God fucking damn it, this movie is so, so good. It is, dude. That's I'm speech. so glad you felt that way. Oh my god! And Angela, yeah, we can just stop before. there. We can go right into spoilers. <laughs> like, let's just short answer it. I'll go next. I love yeah. this movie. <laughs> Play me off, Dave. Play me off. Yeah. I love this movie so much. I am, I'm like assistant teaching this class right now Ooh. on uh, directing techniques, and it's it mostly speci- like we mostly work on how to stage blocking and camera, and that can be actors and camera. That can just be camera. You know, like. But like there's some version of that and everything. And look no further than the opening scene of Bonnie and Clyde. The way they move that camera around her, the way she moves in and out of it. I'm going to talk more about this, but my theme of discussion for this episode is going to be how incredibly accurate is Bonnie and Clyde as it gets noted as one of the first movies with the graduates, the new, new Hollywood. 
I'm going to call it the bridge because there are like expressionistic elements to this that are coming from a previous time period. It almost doesn't feel as gritty and realistic as Friedkin and Scorsese are going to get in the 70s. It kind of sits at like the in this in-between place for me and has some real beautiful artifice just, to it just that kind of got lost John as said, we went a little bit while, while he's talking, everyone stop what you're doing and Google cameras in 1967. And you'll realize yes. how Look fucking up, yeah. hard it was to move one of those things mm. the way they moved it in this film. Absolutely. So I, I got, I had a great rewatch. This was probably my third or fourth time seeing it as like an adult. I feel like I watched it when I was young, probably didn't appreciate it nearly as much. Probably watched it on TV, but I, I this is probably third or fourth time. And God, I must have waited the perfect period of time. Cause it fucking blew me away. Like from the jump, I was like, Oh my God, I forgot how good this movie was. And it just, it never let me down. I had a fantastic rewatch. How about you guys? Def, I mean, uh, Dave, Brandon? Um, Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, sure. Uh, the only criticism I have of this whole thing, really, is the photos at the beginning. I was like, fuck, I hope they're not relevant to the plot. Because they were just there and gone. There and gone. There and gone. There was almost wasn't enough time oh, for your eye to recognize it. So I know it was a choice, but I was like, I want. I kind of wanted to sit in that for oh, a little I longer. I thought it was perfect. That's the only criticism I have of the whole damn thing. Like... Get the okay. fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah, no, um, like the way they move the camera is fantastic. Uh, some of the, even like the, the rear projection car scenes sold really well. Like everything they yes. shot was beautiful. Yeah. Um, there's, the fucking, the 2000s were doing car yeah. scenes worse than that. Yes. Yes, they were. Yeah. Um, I, I really have a lot of questions though about like how people felt when they saw the, when this first came out and uh, I actually, I, after watching this, I, I texted like you guys and I'm like, we need to do a segment and talk to people who went to the movies and saw this for the first time yeah. and mm. try and get mm. someone on the fucking phone and talk to them about it. And I feel like we're going to try and do that, but we'll see if it works. But uh, like, I'm really curious how this was like received because it would have been such a culture shock because it, yeah. it is really isn't like anything they'd seen before up to this point. Wait, hold on. We'll get to Brandon in a Definitely. second. Dave, you didn't like the pictures at the beginning? No, I like I like <laughs> so them. Good. I wanted to see them. They were gone before I could like process oh, what I was there. Like I see what time. you're saying. I yeah. think it was great. I mean, obviously at the time we we know this now. The it's the Fargo thing. It's real. This fucking happened. I love that at the beginning. Yeah. They're like, just so you know, everything you're about to see actually happened. And I love that it was and quick. Diff. So that way you can let it go. So that way the actors can actually just tell the story and you don't being attacked. And also, don't forget, Dave. We would have been watching this on a full screen if we had, you know, it was intended for a giant screen. We probably mm. would have taken in more in that second that it was on screen than our television screens. I think, right? Um, no, I Funny mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's common knowledge the human brain takes about two seconds to actually realize anything, like to recognize anything. I, it it worked for me. Okay. That's like, a, that's like a modern <laughs> editing rule, but they weren't doing that back in the day. It All was right. just like, mm. gone. So yeah, that, right. that is my only gripe of the whole damn film. And it's the first, what? 30 seconds of the film and Dave it was hated done. the opening of this movie yeah hated it <laughs> Brandon Brandon let's get to you and just so you know I'm gonna be very trigger happy with the buzzer on you today okay do it okay do go, it. Ahead. go ahead I, I I don't even know where to begin with this movie I mean it, <laughs> you motherfucker <laughs> damn <laughs> in a good way there's so many good things about this I mean it, I will say it played really well on a rewatch, which I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm I'm not much of a rewatcher, 
I, uh, there are only select movies and or books that I rewatch, reread. Um, the Twilight series. And, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> this one, I was interested to see how it would feel the second time around, kind of knowing the story, being familiar with the characters and all of that. And it's just, I, I paid more attention to the filmmaking this time. And it's just, it's fucking perfect. It's like a perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we really can get, is. we'll get into like the details of, of, of that, but it's just, again, it blew me away. So good. Which is, I think is, I think it's important to say, to point out how successful it is objectively, because it gets so much credit along with The Graduate for being like the tip of this spear. But both of those movies are excellent movies objectively. It's not just the fact that they were dealing oh, yeah. with risque themes or, or violence and you know it, it attracted a different kind of patronage than had ever before they're they were they're excellent so like it kind of makes you wonder like there probably were other movies before these two movies that were trying to deal with these themes and they just weren't rebel done as well rebel without a cause, well, well, it's, without a cause it's funny because sure. like movies like these yeah. movies with these trying. like particular themes they kind of put the viewer in an interesting position where they're rooting for like an anti-hero i guess mm-hmm but at the same time, you're waiting for their inevitable demise. Like you're waiting for them to get their comeuppance. And so it, it really puts you in a very fun, conflicted place to watch because it's like while you're rooting for them, it's like you also know they're going to get it in the end. They're not going to walk away from this. Spoiler. And, yeah. <laughs> they what? Wait, wait um, for it. There we go. It is. Yeah. We're going to fire up the stream deck. Not negative. Yeah, I just wanted to do it. Yeah. Well, I'll, say, I'll say this because, and, I, and I, I didn't go back and read the books. And obviously, I thought I had pictures of the revolution because I definitely got it as a birthday present, which I very much appreciate the gesture. And I cannot find the book. Sorry, Eddie. He doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, a couple things that really stood out. Number one, they don't mention their names for until after they've already robbed banks. I think that's really yep. fucking bold. And then, you know, who are you? Oh, I'm Clyde Barron. I rob banks. Like, after they rob banks, which is cool. But also, the whole storyline is just their storyline. It starts, and she's naked, which the first thing I thought was, was this allowed back then? And, and of course, you don't see it. No, it wasn't. Again, but the way they filmed it, it wasn't, because I'm sure, I'm sure there were. This was the year it was. was, There was art house cinema that did go into that territory where you had to go to certain theaters and certain places. Yeah, down a staircase. I'm sure it definitely reminded that audience of of, of probably, you know, similar things that were going on at the time, that opening sequence. But it was was tastefully done, of course. But, you know, she's in her room and she's contemplating life in in a bucolic, weird place that she doesn't feel that joy of Oklahoma, but she's in the middle of Oklahoma, the show, you know, (laughs) but she's in that place. And then she sees Clyde. And then, of course, the movie ends literally the second after they pass away, or at least the, you know... The, the second after we recognize for sure that it's over and the story is done and et cetera. And we see them get giddy about the fact that they're going to go down in a blaze of glory. And it still sucks when they die. So like just literally those bookends, if they have that beginning and they have to be, it's almost like they're playing with house money in the middle. It's almost like they can do whatever they want. It is, it is so perfect. The, that relationship between the two of them as anchored beginning to end in this movie that honestly, it really feels like anything they did in the middle was going to work. Yeah. Which but is really hard. The yeah. dash, right? Yeah. The dash, right? We have the year we're born, the year we're dead. And then the dash is our life. You know, that little tiny line on the grave essentially is our life. I feel like the dash in this could have been fucking anything because they, they, they just set it up perfectly and they, they brought it home. So perfectly. Very different than like, the movie we talked about last week. Yeah, where, totally. You know, this is, because, I think I agree. I mean, I agree with you. I think I am 
it's so easy to connect and be entertained when you have people to hang on to. Mm. Like this situation, I mean, maybe in 1967 or 68, when people were watching this movie for the first time, maybe they hadn't really heard of Bonnie and Clyde. Like maybe they were kind of forgotten bank robbers and this really resonated their reputations. But like resurrected. You know, we we resurrected their <laughs> reputations. Sorry, I didn't mean to be nasty. We know who they are. So even no, you're good. So even that even at the beginning of this, when you put this on, you know exactly what's gonna happen, like Dave is saying, but there is the screenwriting, the scenes between them, and what happens in their relationship, and even elements like setting up the fact I'm not a lover boy. Like I had kind of forgotten I always mm-hmm. forget about how important that is that there's an obstacle in their relationship. Cause it isn't just them like in euphoric yeah. bliss the whole time. Like there's a problem with them. And then his there's, brother there's and his wife. Problems. Yeah. Not just yeah. that one. Yeah. But I mean, there are so many themes, not uh, themes. There's so many, there's so many aspects about their relationships that allow you to, it's not a character piece. Like it's not, I don't, I don't think, I, I still think this is a, I still think it's, there's, there's a lot of plot here that you get to just watch them move in and out of of robbing these different like their escalation of thievery and then them beginning beginning to observe their thievery and then the the relationships dynamics i don't know i just feel like it i feel like it works that moment where um it really touched me this time when he got attacked early on it's still like early in the movie when the butcher attacks Mm. him and he's like i didn't want i didn't want to hurt him like why is he want something why is he trying to hurt me like he yeah. really just didn't get it. Didn't get it. And yep. to your point, Dave, even though if, even if the pictures were too quick, I was really touched by the authentic. It felt authentic. It was authentic enough for me to feel it. I'm not saying I, I yeah. lived at this time, but the authenticity of the Dust Bowl and this portrayal mm. of these people, that farmer who was leaving at the house where they were at the beginning, yep. they shoot up that the sign in the, the glass. That is the best scene in the movie for, for me. Holy that is the crap! Scene. That touched the hell out of me. And then when they after they get shot. And those families come around and look at them and they're, they're all whispering, it's Bonnie and Clyde. It's... And they're famous and they give them soup and they give them some drinking water. Just the way that I had, I don't think I had remembered it being grounded quite so much in how they were kind of a representation of the resistance yeah. for these people. Like no one else was looking out after them. Well, of course the 60s was all up in that, right? Of course people who were sharing those those same beliefs were looking for something like this. It was just, it was very, very well represented, mm. grounded in scene work. Also, it never felt like it was signaling any of this stuff. I also want to bring right? up the, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree totally. Um, there was no, definitely no, I mean, there was a little bit of foreshadowing, but they, they weren't really signaling anything. But I also want to bring up, is this the first time they've gone this detailed with production design? Because like things like we're at that house that you spoke of, she woke up on a folded car seat. Like she's sleeping mm. on a car seat, um, very similar to how she dies, um, and there's just all these things spattered around the set. The like they're dirtying up the front of frames. They're doing all that stuff that you just didn't see in films of the fifties very much. One best cinematography Dave, at the Oscars. Tell me, for us. Dave. Tell me if you agree with this. <laughs> I think it is a success. It is as successful as you're talking about because they didn't have money, and they were just using filmmaking to yeah. compensate for the fact that they didn't probably have a lot of production design in that room. Can you imagine the discussion? But they had it's her. It's like, hey, we, we want we want to move the camera. You, you want to what? It's like, 
<laughs> yet how how are we going to move the fucking camera? Um, but that yeah, that first scene oh, with her when she's dancing around and she's topless, but not yeah. once do they ever slip up on the choreography that you see no. anything because they can't because like the movie That's will be sad. shelved if they do. But like, but there's there's camera movement, there's her movement, there's a it's and she's utilizing the set to block things at certain times. And it was just so well done. Because she also, God, this is such good writing and filming. It's just the whole package. We get in this opening of this woman who's naked in her room, aimless, restless, erotic. And you see all these things inside of, of her, her movement in and out of close up. Like, what is she doing in there? And then she goes to this window and he just happens to be there. What a coincidence. But then he later says at the at the diner where he's trying to get her to come with them. She's, and he's telling her who she is. And he's like, let me tell you your story. And he's like, almost, you know, right on the money. Yeah. She's like, how do you think you know that about me? And he's like, I know it the minute I saw you. And so do we. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm, it's like they knew yeah. they had to do that in the opening. And they did it with, with expressionistic movement. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it with dialogue. They didn't have her fighting with her mom about how she yeah. wants a better life. Like, yeah. You know All what it was, was suggested for me? visually. The way she starts punching the banister of her bed. Yeah. Just restlessly. Mm, yeah, the, that uh, was yeah. like that moment really sunk that close in with up, me. Dude. It tells when you she comes everything. into that clo- yeah. When she falls and into the close up in that part, that fucking blew me away. They even do that with I noticed the specific punching thing again with CW Moss later. He does the exact same thing at the gas station. He punches the thing before he agrees to go with them. Which by the yeah. way is C.W. Moss the most fucking awesome name ever? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, C.W.? Yeah. yeah, that's pretty fucking great. So yeah, that visual storytelling at the mm. beginning really, really, like, establishes, like you say, John, you know, the beginning of the film teaches you how to watch it. And that really establishes how much subtle, but not, it's not so subtle you'll miss it. It's just delicate storytelling that's really fucking effective that they use throughout the whole movie. You know, you say that I, there's so much that you guys are inspiring me to say. I, I, there's three things at least, but I want to, I want to stay on Faye Dunaway. The first things first, I'm going to say it. I'm ready for the buzzer. It's okay. She's better. <laughs> she, she's better than him in this movie. She's so fucking good in this movie. Faye Dunaway in this movie is such a sensation. And I'm only buzzing you just because we're hacking it, but buzzed yourself. yeah, dude, I think, I think Warren Beatty would, would it say that Faye Dunaway is a better actor than and he's great, I mean, and he, She's one of the best. He gets there. He totally, he does amazing things. It's iconic, but what she does in this movie is, 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 yeah. it's, one of the best things yeah. I've ever seen on film. It's so good. Her range, every single bit of emotion. Yeah. And he made bold choices too. But I mean, this is sensational. But I honestly think, I, I feel like I feel like this with actors all the time. Whenever somebody says, oh, I can't even imagine. That's your job as an actor is to imagine. Well, as soon as the, people say, I can't imagine, your job is literally to highlight that and say to imagine. And mm-hmm. I feel like opening this movie with a scene that probably doesn't exist on film very much back then outside of, you know, the dark picture houses where it's just a woman who's naked, which by the way, women get naked every single fucking day and she's pounding a pillow and she's angry and she's stuck and she can't do shit because she's a woman in the sixties and she's a waitress because she can't get a banking job well, or 30s anything else. In this case. 30s. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, 30s. sorry, sorry. The thirties. And it's like the frustration and the ire. I bet you 99% of women who went to this, knew exactly what she was feeling at the time mm. that happened. Maybe the men didn't, but I bet you the women did. I bet you they really stood there. And nowadays, and of course, the men are like, of course, yeah. And so yeah. I thought it was the fucking boldest risk. And the close-up on her face and everything, it was like, mm-hmm. who needed another lead of this movie? She didn't need a co-lead. <laughs> yeah. She was like, 
I, I, that's the story I want. I want the Bonnie movie. That's it. She was so fucking good. Although I must, she I must admit, really... when he gets when he gets to the the pitch, when he's in the the diner with her, and he, that that crime spree sales pitch is fucking next level. He it's nails true. that it's scene true. opposite it's her. It's charming. So well written. It's yeah. charming. So well written. But you're right, Jeff. You're right. I think this time more than any other time, I was watching the Bonnie, and Clyde movie. You know, yeah, like yeah. Was, I was all about her at this time. Yeah. I mean, just. She's she's just working with so much and not to bring it back to it. But on top of that, that she's like falling in love with the addiction of being with this man and what they do together. But also with this man who. Who who does not physically love her, like in this, the frustrations of this very erotic, feral beast that we meet at the beginning of this movie that that is Bonnie, you know, Bonnie Barker is Bonnie Barker. Is that her last name? Parker, 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 Parker. Yeah, Parker. Yeah, yeah. He and in, in I mean, she's just working with so much, and then fucking Bucks. Why Estelle Parsons oh, comes yeah. in there, and she just fucking hates her. She yeah. hated film. Yeah. Too. It's cool too yeah. that she hated film. She was a theater actor, and she hated film, but she needed money. This is true. True story. She needed money so bad that she was like, "Fuck it, I'll do it." She basically never did film again. She's a oh, very wow. famous theater actress. Yeah, she hated film, and but she needed a job, and she knew Arthur Penn, and so she said yes. There's a book. Wow. It's called Hollywood Hellraisers, and it's basically about like the fuckboys of the '60s. So Jack Nicholson, Marlon Brando, Dennis Hopper, and Warren Beatty. And apparently, Warren Beatty like really he didn't understand the character enough at the time, so he just said, "Well, maybe maybe Clyde is gay." Now, I think men nowadays and even women understand the, there's more complexity going on that the like mm. inadequacies of that is there's probably mm. more of an emotional stuff that we could bring out. But it, I think he actually was contemplating that. But regardless of his choices, you could tell there was subtext that didn't need to be on the scripts. There was something going on underneath between them that it wasn't just it wasn't just like, yes, they're a pair. It automatically yeah. brought this tension between these ultimately like Romeo and Juliet esque like they're paired together forever for all of eternity characters. But between the two of them, there was still tension that adds this five dimensionality to this movie that makes it even explode out the screen more. Yeah. How good was it with the, how good was it with the, um, the scene where they take the picture with the Mm. sheriff and then Bonnie kisses him. Yeah. And the guy and Clyde fucking loses it. Yeah. Right. And it's like all of that physical built up stuff that he can't put on her. He puts it on this sheriff. And I just, I just felt like there was this an amazing distribution of catharsis to that character. And that was, you know, it's, it's always easy to get worked up as an, or it's easier to really allow yourself to go there as an actor and make something super physical like violence. But that was, that scene really blew me away. I mean, I don't even know how far into the water they planned on him going. Mm. I feel like Warren Beatty just fucking took that guy into the lake. And then they were yeah. like, well, shit, we got to set yeah. up in there. Let's make sure we get Let's the other Let's hope that shabbies. canoe doesn't tip over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that was... might have been a, a Sean Penn Mystic River moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was really fantastic. Is I mean, that, that was... That's interesting that was you took a... that take on it. I didn't... I remember when she kissed him, it cuts to his face, I think. And he's not reacting yet until he spits on her. Yeah. Yeah. And then he loses yeah, yeah, his fucking me. shit. It's, yeah, it's because of the spinning. I think it's, it's like because he's yeah. a kissing. Yeah, he's very protective, protective. of her. Um, mm. But that's like that, his way that he can demonstrate his exactly. care. But if, you, if we're, let's just follow this all the way to the end. The fucking silent pantomime mm-hmm. of their love scene is a plus blocking with yeah. actors and cameras. Yeah, yeah, dude. I just want to say, sex, a, sex <laughs> scenes before soundtracks were just awkward. <laughs> 
Yeah. In a beautiful way. Yeah. Like, fucking God, dude, I thought, I thought it was, was just so like, good. Get a, a fucking bird cheap or something. I don't know anything. Like, <laughs> But that was that world, dude. There weren't a fucking, ra- you know what I mean? Like yeah. they had that radio, but like I loved how, how quiet it always was. You were always wondering, is CW listening? Can they hear through the wall? Like that's how it used to be. Like who, who how did everybody have sex back in the day? Your kids also, just heard it, it I guess. I love, everybody just fucking I, heard I it. I also love that it made it not exploitative. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. I mean, it was great that they stayed on that wide for so long. But those exchanges, when they started having the, maybe he's going to do it. Like he's, what was the impetus that he basically, they made him so attracted to her initially. I can't remember what scene was happening before. They did have an exchange and it made him try it. Mm. And that's why he came on to her. Um, But then with their, just the, her, almost going down on him and then oh, him like yeah. rolling away uh, and then leaning up to her and pulling him into her. And like, do you think like, is he going to try again? No, he abandons her. And he's, at least I'm not a liar. Wow. Oh yeah. What a line, dude. What a fucking good and, line. Uh, well, as she's realizing like, wait, this isn't the life that I was dreaming up in the last 48 yes. hours. Yeah. Yeah. And she realizes that on two levels, like the relationship with him and then the life of crime that they've chosen. She says it, I think maybe in even a scene after that, where she just says, is this it? You know, like, this, I thought yeah, it was going to be so says, much more. And the first just, bank robbery going. doesn't have any money. There's yeah, no yeah. money in the first bank robbery we see. Right, which good. is what makes Sorry, me Dave, wonder. what were you going to say, Dave? Sorry. No, I was saying, let's touch on a little bit of the comedy that sleeps into this in amongst all the drama as well. So, because yeah. that first bank robbery, they go in, the bank's closed. It's out of business. Come There's out no here fucking tell money. Yeah. yeah, tell <laughs> the, 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 next rob- the next robbery they drive is CW driving. He parks the fucking car and the car gets parked in. They can't get out. It's, um, and it's, it's just like, oh my fucking god! And then all of a Austin sudden, hours out. Yeah, all of a sudden they steal a car and they're getting chased by Gene Wilder. What the fuck? That's so good that he runs after the car and he's chasing <laughs> after Bunny. Gene Cut. Wilder's Gene Wilder's film debut. Yeah, was that when his I debut? I catch these men. Oh. I'm going to. She's like, Guys. maybe we should call yeah. the police. What if they have guns? No, no what, what if, if they, they have guns? guns? Oh, maybe we should let the police we handle it. Call the police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's so yeah. good. He, and it was he was so good, and also that whole scene, like what a great little interlude, and what a huge steaming pile of foreshadowing, Guys, as well. It how, worked on multiple levels. How great is it's the like? Moment? What do you do? I'm an undertaker. How great is the wo- close up on Faye? Yeah. get him out of here. Yeah, just, yeah. Here. yeah. How and great is the moment? Everyone out of their reverie right there and then. Also, I feel like they did a good job of, of letting everybody know that they were sort of like the working man's, you know, hero. Like they're robbing banks, right? They're not robbing yeah, yeah, butchers. They're Robin Hood. And Especially yet, when in, in a way, now of course they're they're not necessarily giving it back, which is too bad. But you know, but we'll we'll talk about the killing cops and stuff in a second. But it is kind of it says so much that at this time of economic turmoil, bankers are doing okay. You know, not great, but like not obviously some of them are failing, but like there's yeah. people that are doing okay. And then the cops are literally giving their life to protect the money that's being, you know, that yeah. that's it's, not it's being distributed th- to everybody. It's the 30s, dude. So, Bankers are doing okay. I'm not saying it's right to kill cops. Obviously, <laughs> obviously that, that that is in there. But when it gets to Gene Wilder there, it's so great to have somebody in the car who's relating to these now. Because now they're, we have to sit there and sit there and be like, well, maybe these aren't good people because they are robbing banks and they are killing people. So it's good to have these people in the car. And then you have the moment with Gene Wilder where she says her age, mm. <laughs> her age. Yeah. and he looks at her really unscripted over. <laughs> as if like it's over. And it's like, it's so funny. It's like so much life, so much character, but it's what, what a way in. 
what, what a way in uh, from the outside from the everyman mm. he steals their car all yeah. of a sudden they become friends and all of a sudden he has this full life and character it's it's just fucking brilliant yeah right, there was a lot fun. we've waited jeff yeah. we've waited long enough how good gene hackman, gene hackman come on don't even fucking come at me with gene hackman <laughs> and estelle parsons is gene hackman i was talking he, to they he is they are a full life i mean it's just like 100 percent you know, I mean, well, I was talking to Angela about two things. Number one is, is, is first of all, Estelle Parsons, the journey, she does not want to do this at all. And it wasn't just like the actor choice. Like you could tell this, it's almost like she was like, I want to get the fuck off this set and I want to get the fuck out of here. I never want to be here again. The first time we meet her in this movie and her journey slowly accepting it. It's almost like she was just having such a good time with everybody where it's basically like the reality and the film reality became one. It was so, it's, it's like, mm. It's so sensational, and I would love to see the crossover between reality and and filming this movie. Gene Wilder does, sorry, Gene Hackman does the thing. Two genes in this fucking movie. How many yeah. movies have two genes? Gene Hackman well, I, in this I movie. I think he was credited as Eugene. That's right, he was at the time. Yeah. Or at least IMDb is doing that. Gene yeah. Hackman does something that I've never seen before. I really, I don't think I've ever seen this on film. And we see this in real life all the time, which is people who are playing with their voice. But like in a way that's like he's so Texas and Southern, but like his voice changes depending on the situation he's in. I feel like it's just such a fucking bold choice for an actor, but he is so lived into this that sometimes when he's having fun, he's like up here in this. And then but whenever he's like really, you know, he's really into the scenes, he's dropped in. Like I've never seen a vocal range in a performance like that. Well, it's him. almost like these guys are, it's almost like the Barrow Boys yeah, or performers. They're fucking with mm. each other. You know, yeah, they're, they're exactly. Like fucking vaudeville. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, they're just having so much fun. And th- you just maybe think about Estelle's journey. This is one of those beautiful things where, like, I don't really want to know the answer, but thematically, I don't know if they knew it when they were writing it. But this woman who was kind of afraid from the jump, not really wanting to get there, the details don't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter to me that she's a preacher's daughter and that she got caught yeah. up in the wrong situation like yeah. just th- i believed that she didn't want to be there at the beginning and then by the end of this movie you know she can't see anymore mm. she's cho- the the person who lived in fear of this period of time is choosing not to look at the at the terrible things that are happening and deal with the ambiguity of justice and injustice and i just i mean that last scene where like the person who was most afraid may never see the truth again I just that that landed for me pretty hard this time. And again, I don't know if they knew that or if they were thinking about that, but I thought that was really lovely. Um, I'll tell a little anecdote that my editing, one of my editing professors told me recently, he knew, and we should call them out just because I want to, I want to give it up for whoever it is. If somebody wants to help me look up the editor of Bonnie and Clyde, I'm doing it right now. If you give me five, I, I can get you four, three, two, two. Uh, this was edited by Dee Allen. Allen. I think she was the first editor to get a single card credit in film. And, and it's a she, one reason she got cool. that. It is there, a lot, there were a lot of famous female editors throughout the ages. We know mm. we've. I feel like we knew more that came after her, yeah, just because exactly. like people like Thelma Shoemaker and she did dog these, they got yeah, so awesome. famous. Um, but apparently, like Arthur Penn had not seen her the ending. And they had designed it a little bit differently. And she showed him like what she cut. It was like more than 90 cuts in the last like 15 seconds of this film. And there's just that style of editing hadn't really been utilized 
nearly as much. It was a much riskier style of editing, really kinetic. And I mean, she just apparently, you know, they just like, that was like, she got so much credit for taking this film to a whole other level because Mm -hmm. they had filmed it with so much camera movement and intention that there was a lot of design that went into what they thought the edit would look like. And she just changed that ending Mm -hmm. to make it such an extreme kinetic tragedy that she ended up getting so credited that Warren fought for her to get her own title card. And that changed the future of editing for the way editors were recognized. I I actually have a note. I have a note about that. Um, When they were building up to that finale, they built anticipation of the trap, but they never once showed you the trap. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. So you had a sense of anticipation, but you didn't know why unless you knew the knew the history you knew what was coming like the second i saw that car i knew we were in the end game guys this is post kennedy and the shots came from a fucking bush yeah it came from the grassy knoll come on that's good you know i'm gonna not to quote ryan johnson but somebody asked him the other night do you have any like just big picture advice on how to pull off suspense like you know you feel like you've nailed it so well like what is it and he was like, and you know, you I think about so, that a lot. And film so people wonder, have you fucked up an entire... No, never. sorry. It's my, it's my problem. Dave, <laughs> somebody literally asked him by that. Somebody was like, I don't know if you've heard that some people dislike your your Star Wars movie. He's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I cry about it sometimes. Anyway, carry on, carry on. Like, he was literally like, guys, I mean, you know what it feels like, even with your student films, when people say critical things, like it hurts. Like that doesn't, that doesn't go away. It, oh, it hurts. Nice. <laughs> he was like, you just try to move on anyway uh but he was saying like he was saying when i was studying hitchcock when i was getting obsessed with like you know just these suspense masters he was he said i kind of realized that the most important thing and hitchcock talks about this in his interview with Truffaut, when you're building suspense it's clarity it's showing the audiences exactly what they need to see so that you will know something is about to happen and you will it's not ambiguity it's not suggestion which is why this ending, which you say, Jeff, is it's almost more thrilling because of that. Yeah. We don't know exactly who's back there. Um, and I think it ends up yielding something that is much more about those when they whip pan to each other. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. What happens after the beautiful catharsis of the way they are shot. I'm so glad they did so many. What are they called, Dave? The, the exploding bullet? Squibs. Uh, they have such a... Squibs. Yeah, squibs. I'm so glad they went as far as they did with it because it really lended itself to a beautiful catharsis. But for me, that movie climaxes in those whip, whip close-ups. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is fucking... Yeah. You've come that they whole way with they them and done you realized... They could have done that whip <laughs> and then just cut to black and had gunshots and it, they, it would it not have was, for it. Yeah. yeah, that like was the movie, the final look. They just wanted to reach each other so they could die together. And all they got to do was... Lock eyes. Yeah, I feel so like every, so I feel like everything it, after that was for the people playing at home. Yeah. And I guess yeah. so, but you know, Dee Dee Allen, she chose to. They did not film it in slow motion. That was not a shutter angle choice. She just slowed the film down, and it created almost a shutter angle distortion of them like moving in a little choppiness yep. with their slow motion, wow. which is beautiful and very powerful. And but I know, I mean, I think everyone feels that way when they look at each other. You realize how emotional this movie was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which. Take me into my other point, and I kind of want to ask you guys if you feel the same. The one thing that stuck with me in all of my re- all of my watches from the first one, it just never lets me down. And it might be my favorite thing about this movie, is the way that they handle the lack of perspective from the law. Like, 
Yeah. They're there. They're doing their job. Eventually, they have a face, and it's the guy. But this is not... Let's split our time between the detectives chasing them and the... The way that they just... Like they're just the man is behind is after them. Yeah, it's a faceless you know, thing they're, that they're, turns up and starts shooting. And the way it's clear that it's not it's just, just so effective. It's, it's not just coincidences that certain cops are onto them. It's just what happens over time. Eventually, you're going to run into some people who get suspicious and call the cops, and that's just what happens. Like I feel like never once do I sit there and be like, oh well, this is the part of the movie where it's so convenient that no, I never thought that. It's like when you're in Oklahoma. I'm not going to risk my life in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to like Missouri, all these places it goes to. Brandon. I want a um, interesting choice in when they go for the meetup with the mother. Yes. And Ooh, there's just that. white diffusion yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's like a dream yeah. sequence. Yeah. It plays yeah. like a dream sequence, but then yeah. it ends with the most brutal thing she could say to her. Yeah. And like snaps her out of the dream. Yeah. And you go straight Don't back to cold, hard, unfiltered. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah, funny because you know she's famous by then, right? You know that the mom recognizes that her child's famous, which is usually a thing that we like as a society. Yeah. But she knows she's Did being watched. Did it work watched. for you with, the, it, with it, the filter on the lens? and? Uh, not until that final line. In, I, I was like, what are they doing? Why is why is this one section suddenly like this? And then we hit that final mm-hmm. line. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. There. Yeah, it's a little I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure it happened. There's a part of it. Sometimes when uh, I watch this, I wonder if that sequence even existed. If it was yeah, just her the, imagining and the, the whole mother thing was so while she strange. was sitting there. Yeah, yeah. the mother was so because flat. How, how far after that sequence does Bonnie run away? Um, when no, 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 that's, that's, she's this gone. happens after that. Um, because at this oh, point, right. does at this, yeah, she's sitting in, the, hotel, yeah. She's sitting in the, yeah. the room and that's when they go out for chicken dinner and get busted. Yeah, that's what promised it cuts, this it visit. It cuts straight to her sitting by with her back to everyone. So yeah, it might, that whole sequence might have been in their head. I didn't get that, but that's yeah. interesting. Oh, that's a that's good point. Good. I love yeah. how I also love how I'm going to give it up to D.D. Allen again. I mean, you know, the, I'm sure Arthur Penn was thinking about this. I'm sure, a bit Warren Beatty. I'm sure they all had opinions about when they were designing it. But how quick they draw their guns. Mm. It just never lets you down. Like as soon as the law is there, they're in a gunfight. Yeah, they don't have. Like there's no, there's yeah. no suspe- There's no build up or anything. When they show up to that house, when Buck and them, when they're first in that house together, the law's outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they pull their guns so fast, dude. I mean, they shoot within like two seconds. They are firing directly at police officers. Yep. Yeah. I want to touch briefly, just quickly on the sound as well, because it was it was a mono track, obviously, but the sound effects in this were great. I recognized a few oh, of yeah. them from the Warner Brothers library, but um, just the, so just the, yeah. like, the motivation of the sound for me, yeah, was a thing. Like when you were hearing stuff outside the car, it was muffled. When you hear like you were hearing things from a certain mm. position, it was di- like it was dimmed. It was like they they really played with the sound in the one field they had um to make it as like realistic as possible so like the one particularly when everyone was outside the car looking through the window and talking and all the voices were muffled that really got me i was like mm. they've really thought about this it's like it sounded exactly like it should as well and i love it cuz that kind of effect is like extremely achievable and not expensive mm. Oh, it's yeah. just a different aesthetic, it's right? Just trying to work your audience. That, it's, it's, it's just a more realistic. It's just very brave yeah. to try and capture it live on set. 
Brandon, what's something that yeah. people, what's something that popped out for you? Give me something. Give me something juicy. Give me something good that popped out this rewatch. How easy was it to steal cars back then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, especially just walk up to it. <laughs> when you had to run up and pop the hood and start it from there and then get exactly. in the car. I'm like, that's, they you just, fucking busted, like man. One second. No tools, no nothing. Just <laughs> Don't worry. He's Clyde Barrow. He knows how to go in and just turn the keys. <laughs> yeah. Also, Honor system. do you guys wish we lived in an era where you could get that excited about a game of checkers? That, yeah, the checkers. Really into that fucking game of checkers. Screaming um, about shit. Yeah, they, they didn't uh, have, they honestly, didn't have like, Yeah. <laughs> what stood out to me? I mean, the. I mean, we already talked about it, but I don't think I've ever seen something on film that encapsulates an entire movie and is the landmark, like seminal moment of a movie that takes like less than a second. That look at the end, between the two of them mm. before they get mm. shot. Ugh. I'm just. It's still still just lingering in my mind it's just so which, impressive which again I, I just not to be comparative and not to take anything away from two-time palm door champion ruben Ostlin, but there was there not for a moment did you even have a chance to have that kind of emotional connection with characters in yeah. those kinds of films and i just feel like most we just maybe it's a western audience thing a more american audience thing but are you talking about the square i mean I was talking about the square. Just how, yeah, sure. sure I just wanted sure, to clarify sure. these, these episodes are a week apart for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. You're right. No, his next and movie, I, I the, guess... the line. Yeah, the line. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just, it's just so obvious to me that people watched a movie like Bonnie and Clyde, and this whole debate of you know, how much effect does art have on the world and is how subjective is it? Of course, there are a lot of things that go into that, but a movie like Bonnie and Clyde, they had an exciting vehicle of crime, but it ultimately climaxes with this intense emotional connection between these two outsiders. Yeah. That changed America. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it kind of sparked a flint, you know, that got a movement going. And so did The Graduate, the same year of these character driven pieces where you have enough empathy to make people feel like I fucking feel that way too. And apparently I'm not alone hmm. as opposed to, you know, sometimes it's, you know, if you get a little bit too intellectual, I'm glad they, I'm glad they chose to try to ground this almost in a genre that we can like hold on with both hands. And they snuck a character piece into it. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. it's a gangster film in a yeah. sense. We, and Hollywood had made plenty of them, but they chose to have an anti-hero perspective. And unlike a Scarface or something from the, the the war period of Warner Brothers from 20 or 30 years earlier. These people are heroes because they loved each other, because they cared yeah. for each other. Also, Not because yeah, we wouldn't have we cared about Bonnie or Clyde. Yeah. This was their way union. more sprawling than a gangster film, too. Totally, man. Yeah. I just I also want to just give it up for making films at all is a pure act of willpower. Like it doesn't matter what level you're on, we have done it together as friends and collaborators and pushed a boulder up a hill. I think everybody at the highest levels does it too. Warren Beatty made this movie happen. Yeah, it's a company and then yeah. when they sold to three, three arts, not three arts. What is the name of that United company arts? that, no, no, no. Oh, the name of the company that, um, seven arts. Oh, seven arts, I think it's seven arts that uh, Warner brothers sold Jack Warner was selling to, they were not going to release this film. And Warren Beatty went there it was premiered at the Montreal Film Festival and did well, but they were not going to theatrically release it. And he threat he had to threaten to sue Warner Brothers 
And when they made the acquisition, it was a part of the package to just release it small. And it started just exploding in the cities. Yeah. So this, none of this would have wow. happened if he hadn't, you know, busted his ass to make this great film on a short budget and get his friend Faye Dunaway and his friend Gene Hackman to come make it. And then it never would have been released if he hadn't had to take litigious action against a, a you know, a so studio it was head. also a trailblazer changed in America. who hasn't threatened to sue Warner Brothers in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, I love sure, it. Sure, sure, Wait, sure. since I saw this Angela, just a couple shout outs, a couple of Angela shout outs. First of all, she loved Faye Dunaway and she loved the hair. They did great hair symmetry considering back in the time, like the wind and all that kind of stuff. She was like, that's a different scene. That's the that. continuity. So, like, the continuity was really yeah. great. I mean, obviously yeah. not perfect, but like, especially Her in those opening sequences. Scene. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the almost sex scene was nuts. Which, yeah. Important, which important back then though. Important because it has to look, it can't look like a set. It can't look like it's on a yeah. set, but at the same time, it can't look like a wind blow in every take. Doesn't matter. So I she, yeah, shout got, out, shout out. Wind blow, and you got JBF here. Also, Angela likes to shout out that this movie might probably inspired Instacart. She thinks whoever inspired it, they watched this movie and they went, "Oh, people just delivered foods to homes back then, and they oh. they spotted murders." <laughs> <laughs> and she also like things like. Things like the tracks in the sand where she leaves the moms, where the mom and the whole clan, like not the clan, that's not the right word. Although they pro- there probably were some future clan members in there, but like the clan, the, when the, the group, when they left. <laughs> Sorry, Angela. <laughs> the tire tracks in the sand were continuous. So this is just people that just cared mm-hmm. about the movie. And then, and that was actually also with the, um, with the, the first attempt to get them where they pulled over to the side of the road and they were sleeping. Is, is Gene con- Hackman's ear con- was like, is this a word? Shut the fuck up. Dude. <laughs> so they, they were like, where they were like, <laughs> I you, know, you know what I mean? I'm sorry. You know where they're, they're like sleeping in the thing and then everybody's on the trees on the outside and they're basically like, show us your, I forget what he says. And then they, yeah. somehow they escape except they leave Gene Hackman behind. That if same thing. Out, the show us you, was track, it the Tourette's guy from, so if you have, it kind of feels like it kind of feels like if you have less money, you just have to care more. Mm. And they were willing. Honestly, they were willing Jeff, to do. I that. think you're right, dude. Like, look at the movies that this yielded. All of the filmmakers who made their movies in the next like six or seven years made the best movies yeah. of their career. Oh, the snoring scene. <laughs> they they could have cut the snoring scene, and I bet you that snoring scene inspired oh, yeah. more filmmakers than almost anything where it's like oh, oh my god, god. Yeah, Dude, i have a so note good. about that i was hoping we could talk about that like what did you guys Again, take away from that cam first, first of all all done with camera movement yep. sound yep. and camera movement right yep. not a single they, and way. we've all been there everybody's been there <laughs> i think yeah what did that i mean what did that scene mean for you like other than just the being thrown off because you, you know you think it's worn Right. You think Warren and Warren's existence, he's this selfish man who's just a big man and a big bank robber guy. And he, you know, she, he's maybe she just has this crush on him and he's actually just keeping her up all night. And it's just he's just ruining her life. And then you realize that it's not him. And he actually there's room for her in him. You know what I mean? Like there's room for her to be with him. That's kind of what I took I, away. From I feel it, like that he, I feel like it led to her line later where it's like there's always someone in the room. I'm never alone with you. Yeah, interesting. That's, I also yeah, felt like sure. you have to work with people, you doubt. have to work with people that drive you crazy. Yeah, yeah, but then there's also they were both experiencing that and not talking about it with each other. They didn't acknowledge it together, and so they were both kind of still isolated from each other at that point in the movie. I think he. I mean, I also feel like she was. <laughs> Folks, at the end of this scene, it pulls away, and I love it when they do this in movies. And maybe this is one of the first times they did it. They follow Faye through all this action, go down, and she's almost like she almost hugs Warren Beatty, 
and then decides against it and lays back down. And then the camera tightens on Warren's face and he opens his eye. He was awake the whole time. Yeah. Right. He was he was afraid, you know, whatever it was. And yeah, I mean, and I think that was totally sleep. like she wanted something she couldn't have. And he was terrified she was going to try to take it. Yeah, exactly. And he was going to have the impotence thing or whatever, whatever his yeah. deal was. Yeah. He'll never actually be able to satisfy her. And they, you know, and that was enough. You, you, and like you would, you would assume that people on the on the lamb would have trouble sleeping and they had trouble sleeping because of the snoring. I just I also yeah. feel like there's something fun <laughs> with it. But they didn't just but they didn't just settle with that. That wasn't enough. They're like, we want people yeah. to know they, they have real person issues, too. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of snoring, C.W. Moss <laughs> thought he did a great job. And his awesome. dad blew me away for a second time. Uh, that character is so good. Yeah. It almost is a bait yeah. and switch at the end because you think, yeah, you think they're going to get away with it based on the, the information that we had. Yeah. Dad. Ugh. I love the way they filmed the ice cream scene where he's meeting with the sheriff, the yeah. Texas Ranger. Oh, yeah. Again, like, just showing it. Yeah, that long lens just from yeah. a distance outside. You just hear, to you, Dave, you hear directional sound. You don't hear what's inside the ice cream parlor. Mm -hmm. You hear the street. Then they walk out. And I almost didn't need the the Texas Ranger to walk into, into shot. But, like, you know, it's fine. Like, let's just complete the sentence. It didn't take anything away yeah. from it. And that was just plenty, plenty. And then when they pull up, it still gets me three or four times. When they pull up to the road, after he's told his CW, don't get in the car, you know there's going to be a holdup. You don't know he's involved. Yeah. You don't know the father is is the decoy. So when they yeah. pull up on the road, isn't that blah, blah, blah? You would, you would think he's going to sit there and say, oh, fuck, they got away. Right? Like, I I think I think so. Mm. Again, I, have, I haven't read the shit that people say. I thought he was home. I thought he was going to be like, oh, shit, they escaped. I didn't realize he was part of the dad. You guys. The dad, yes, yeah, the dad. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because they, they, don't, he was gonna... they don't show you anyone hiding behind the bush, like I said earlier. Uh, like, there's exactly. nothing there. You don't know what's knoll, going man. on. Man. The grassy point. knoll. How many shooters were there? Brandon, um, how is it <laughs> doing this whole episode without a mic stand? How has it it's, been? You know, I'm getting used to it. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I got a system set now. Is your wrist tingling yet or anything? I'm switching off. People, get on, get on, get on YouTube where the copyright uh, hasn't affected us here. Is that a road mic? Is that it? I don't know. I borrowed this from a friend. Believe it or not, I don't actually use any mics, so I don't have one. Get the fuck out of here. Not a singer. Yeah. Let me ask one last question, and then we can shut up about Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. This movie gets a lot of credit for being a very, very influential American movie. Do you guys think it deserves it? Do you think it's one of the better contemporary? We can't even say contemporary. Yeah. This movie was made closer to the first movie that was ever made than it was made to the most recent Marvel yeah, movie. Yeah, so, this, this, this movie is like is this, almost 60 years old. Is it one of the best? Yeah. Is it still one of the best American movies ever made? It's better than a lot of American movies I've seen. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it deserves to be higher than 42 on that list. I do too. I kind of think yeah. you meant this in the Oh, you mean the American we'll list? The American list. <laughs> the American Film Institute, Dave, not the Australian. The A is American. Um, Where is it on sight and sound? Jeff, keep saying what you're saying. I think, because for me, this is better than The Graduate. But at the same time, the two should be pulled together because I think, John, you nailed it. I think The Graduate is a character study, and this isn't. Even though it's Bonnie and Clyde, it has just that, just enough of that separation from reality where it is lore. 
It ultimately, you know, it's a fable, even though it was real. It's a it's a nonfiction novel, as Truman Capote liked to talk about in Cold Blood. It's a nonfiction mm-hmm. novel, so you can feel that this is ultimately a telling of it. And it's not necessarily the definitive telling, even though it is. But they also accept that if somebody else wrote a book that was different, they'd be okay. I kind of got that sense from this too. So I would put this higher than The Graduate. I would put this as the definitive one, but at the same time, I feel like them and The Grad, and then all the other movies can go off to the side. But I, I uh, yeah, I, I think this should be higher than 42. And I think it's one of the definitive movies of American history. Agreed. I think I, I think I agree with I think I agree with that, man. I understand why The Graduate was. A little bit more subtly effective. Our mom always jokes that like that movie like changed her life. Like yeah. she thought she knew what, what how you're supposed to act and what was kosher and what was okay and what was taboo and and then she saw the graduate in high school and she was like, What the fuck? And it just like, you know, really so I'm sure there were a lot of people like that who didn't need machine guns and death and, and cry those more intense cathartic high stakes. Maybe there's a you know, a different energy and it was good for both people. But I don't think Bonnie and Clyde, because it's a genre piece, gets as much credit as it deserves. Yeah. I think the graduate gets more credit. And it deserves all the credit it gets. But both of these movies are just they broke a mold. I mean, what a year. I don't know if that ever happened again. I don't know if it's happened since. Where like movies came out and they like changed the way the future of all movies after that. I, I mean, the last time that happened was the jazz singer. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> which which one of the, the five the jazz singers was it? <laughs> Maybe I looked over it too quickly here, but just so you guys know, I just looked up the sight and sound for the top 100 for 2022, and it's not even in there. What? Yeah. Maybe I, I just looking too quickly. I'm going over it again. And then we have the British list, and I think it is on the, the BAFTA 100. But hmm. yeah, this movie... Worth watching if you haven't seen it or if you want to rewatch. Yeah, it's like you're welcome. It's like two ninety nine. Check this thing out. Invite some friends over. Yeah, I had to rent it. Yeah, Same. I rented it too. It was a shame. I was surprised it wasn't existing anywhere right how, now. How is this not in Criterion? I'm trying to give Warren Beatty and Annette Bening some some money. <laughs> Wait, we guys, should we also mention? Remember when Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway fucked up the La La Land Moonlight Oscars? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> it was them. Everybody remembers that. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, you can see uh, Warren. Legends. Watch Warren Beatty laugh when he looks at Faye Dunaway, going, "Did you just fuck this up?" Go ahead and rewatch it. Rewatch it. Nobody, re-watch- <laughs> nobody is rewatch it because we're sitting there and it's not worth it. But rewatch it and watch Warren Beatty go. Did you just say that? <laughs> I don't it think says Warren it- Beatty. I don't think. I don't think Warren Beatty gets enough credit for being one of the the most like influential independent American filmmakers. Sure. Like at a time when like Cassavetes and mm-hmm. obviously Scorsese was fucking crawling up and making a name for himself. I, I don't think Warren Beatty really gets the the credit he deserves. We don't really think of him that way, but a lot of his most successful efforts, he kind of helmed himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, one uh, more thing. I, don't, so I, I, don't I, know. I know I'm an Oscars obsessed person, but Glenn Close, eight nominations, no wins. We're obsessed with numbers. Faye Dunaway, has three nominations, one win, for Bonnie and Clyde, Chinatown, and fucking Network, and Network. which she won. <laughs> Just like, okay, wow. like that's it. You don't yeah. need to have that's ever good. made any other movies. Those <laughs> yeah. are her three movies. Three that's of the like, greatest okay. movies. Yeah, it's like the lower backbone it's of like American fucking, cinema. Right you can now. have twenty-seven <laughs> yeah. nominations. She wins. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like John. It's like John Cazale. 
Check us out, yeah. Only five movies <laughs> he ever made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not whatever, best picture. Insane, dude. All right. Dude, so good. I loved it. Thank you for choosing this movie, you guys. I think I threw out In Cold Blood. I think we were considering the graduate. But I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we, we we did a rewatch for me at least. And I'm glad Jeff and Dave, I'm glad you saw it now, man. Yeah. It's worth it. I right? made Angela watch it on so a Friday good. night. Ironically, so um, I have played Clyde once for uh, Warner Brothers in Australia, the theme park. Yeah. Um, no way. What? With, they, had, they had a little live uh, Bonnie and Clyde show they did for events. And one night they were short someone. So I jumped in as Clyde. So I've actually done the run out of the bank onto the car. and No way. That's fucking awesome. You waited until hour 112 to to do it, (laughs) to say that? (laughs) (laughs) Intro, David. It was my one and only (laughs) client appearance. I I totally want to, yeah. A go-to couple's Halloween costume for sure. I can't wait to fucking dress as Clyde Barrow. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. And, 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 And Bonnie what? Bonnie, what was her name? Parker. No, that's right, that's right. Parker? It's Parker. By the way, that by the way that that poem that she reads at the end was actually published by Bonnie Parker. It's called Suicide mm. Sal. Isn't so that good. good. Like yeah. that was like, and he was like, "You just wrote my whole life." That's why he fucked her. I forgot when they finally. Fought. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, it went all right. Okay, we can sleep together. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I also want right. to say my favorite line of the movie came from Clyde, where he said, "I did a little toe cutting." <laughs> yeah jeff we don't give it warren enough credit for having to deliver lines like that oh there's so many good ones. <laughs> Shit was oh my god all right with that charming dave, all right dave roll the roll the generator dude let's do it again let's start announcing we got two weeks this time we, our, we should uh yeah we should talk about what's next uh i'm gonna flick this little time machine on so she's never <laughs> Oh my god, I remember this. It's working perfectly. Sound effect. Yeah, we got sound effects in the show now. 1993. Oh! Yes. Oh, god damn. Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park! We should <laughs> Have you guys talked about that not before? doing Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do we want to take a, a very quick break and discuss it, or do you guys want to just come on the show next week with a with the show it's in two weeks because we're off next week i think um well no we're not if, as so far much as episode is concerned touche hocus pocus <laughs> nightmare before christmas tombstone sandlot dazed and confused mrs doubtfire the fugitive which we've already talked about groundhog day bronx tale slippers in seattle rudy send of a woman this move this year is so good Jesus. true romance grumpy I, old men free willy i feel like we'll announce cool running it's about time we Holy shit. during the week again men in tights Homeward Bound, The Firm. Get the fuck out All of right. here. Stay Cliffhanger. tuned for next week. Yeah. Wayne's World 2. <laughs> because one movie from 1993 will be discussed. Uh, you have to you have to tune in to see what it is. I, I understand, Dave. We don't have to do it right like now. Like and subscribe. Um, all right. So let's do uh, what you've been watching. What I hope we watch? all saved up a little bit of something that we, we have been watching. Dave, what you been watching, man? Um, I'll be watching Ahsoka, of course. Uh, I am sure. 100% on board with this thing. It is growing great guns for me uh, i love everything let me brag on my buddy our buddy chris who edits mandalorian he got to go he did a few episodes of ahsoka nice and he got to go to a private casting crew screening last week uh, so uh, fucking awesome yeah, it would be. i'm so jealous yeah That's awesome. oh, cool. um, well i love the show i think it's doing great um and i'm also i also started watching uh, again on netflix um it's a sci-fi film called they clone tyrone yeah that guy that guy would he graduated a couple years before me i yeah, had to meet him and it's, everything. Uh, yeah, it, it starts off. Cool, it, right? it starts off 
not what you're expecting and then just pivots like crazy so yeah it's it's a it's a fun little sci-fi rom <laughs> yeah that's that's a good way to describe it yeah brandon what you've been watching dude well, to meet the Matt and Mark quota, I'll shout them out. I watched The Nun and The Nun 2. Jeff, your episode was great. The Thanks, Nun. And I uh, I think I have a, a disagreement with them. I don't know if y'all have listened to that episode. They thought the second one was not as good. I thought the second one was way better. Whoa. Maybe it's because I saw it in theaters and I didn't see the first one in theaters. But I, I really, really enjoyed the second one. It was it had some oh. very legitimately like, there you awesome go, Matt and Mark. horror imagery. Matt and Mark, he agrees with none of your episode. <laughs> have you all ever seen a uh, picture do it of that actress who plays? Have you seen a, pic, a picture of the actress who plays the nun? I mean, Bonnie Aaron's yes. our Lord and Savior. Terrifying. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Beautiful. She's beautiful. She's in, she was in, she I was not, not in much, see the nun. Like. She, was, she apparently was in contract disputes with this because she, they were using her likeness for like like yeah. Halloween costumes and stuff, and she doesn't feel like she was being yeah. compensated for that. Oh, Bonnie, get that money, girl. That's it. You yeah. gotta get those cuts and those Halloween costumes. Yeah. Um, right. I also went on a bit of a uh, animal attack movie streak. I watched a movie <laughs> called Rogue, which I also learned about from Matt and Mark. That movie, I was, I was are you guys you cocaine bear. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Rogue is. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's my favorite animal attack movie now. It's what? It's, uh, More than it's from the guy who made uh, the Jungle. I f- shit, I forgot his name. And uh, Wolf Creek. It's Australian. Mm-hmm. It's MJ about Bassett. a. Yeah, it's about a croc that just yep. fucks some people up. But yeah. it's such a good... If you want oh, it's, like not, you want it's, old, it's not the Megan Fox vehicle. No. If you want an old <laughs> old Australian movie that'll Ratcliffe. fuck you up, Razorback. All right. Wait, is this a Daniel list. Radcliffe movie you're talking about? Jungle was the J- Daniel Radcliffe movie, which was also great. This one was really good and it actually had some like really good subtle like visual storytelling in it. It was more than I expected from wow. a movie about a crocodile killing people. So, and a great theme. Greg McLean, written and directed by Greg McLean. I found right. three other rogues before I got to your rogue. <laughs> An American journalist on assignment in Australian Outback encounters a man-eating yep. crocodile while trapped in a rapidly flooding mud island. It's fucking awesome. Oh, highly yeah. recommend it. <laughs> yes, it's it's highly American? recommend that's, it. That's, yeah. not, that's not an event. That's the holidays. It's just just another day. Yeah, just another day. Oh, Crocker, ate another fucking American. Yeah, right. Must be Thursday. Get off my track. Stop dipping your fucking toe in the water, you dickheads. Uh, I followed that up with. uh, I followed that up with the shallows, which I can't recommend. Not nearly Uh, as good. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll drink that one. That's funny. Anything else? Um, I finally caught fire in the sky. Which I had never seen before. Oh 1993. Jesus. That was also <laughs> 1993. 1993. You're right. You're right. <laughs> a... I can never watch and it again. I had, it was, freaky. I really liked it. And it really sharply contrasted. I had just watched Signs before that. Nice. The contrast between the practical aliens in Fire in the Sky versus the horrible CGI aliens in Signs. I know. I'll drink again for that. One, but <laughs> really, yeah. really. Enjoyed it, that one. The moment works for me in signs where the alien walks across on the television footage just because right, it's crappy it's, I like, footage. I like the scary exactly. movie three one better. Where he's just like oh, okay, yeah. across the camera and then back again. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, dude. Cool. Also, the guy I from T two, the T one thousands in that one. 
Robert Patrick? Oh, he's, yeah. He's the lead. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot that's him, dude. He has lines. Well, he had quite a little run for two years. For two years, yep. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the X-Files, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Thank you. I was like, where else? I know he's got like a regular character on something else. Uh, what have I been watching other than The Last of Sheila I mentioned last week, which is all this week? I talked about There Will Be Blood, right? Did I talk about that a couple weeks ago? What? You talk about that all the time. What are you talking you're about? Talk, you're talking about a lot. <laughs> did I mention it, though? No, did I tell you, you guys about it? No, I didn't. I don't think so. So this is a great... I texted you about it, though. This is a great gift from my fiance. Oh, yeah. You, you texted us about it. She fucking got us tickets, and we saw in the Greystone Mansion, which is at the end of There Will Be Blood, where they filmed the bowling alley scene. So good. We watched There Will Be Blood in the Greystone Mansion private home theater. And then went downstairs afterwards and got the tour of the bowling alley. Guys, I must have, I, I waited the perfect amount of time, like similar to Bonnie and Clyde. It was almost not like a first time, but it was like just the right amount of time. That mm. movie is like up there on my number one again. I mean, I just had the most incredible rewatch. Can't say it enough. My God, Jesus Christ, it blew me away. Uh, I also have been watching, um, rewatching Downton Abbey, actually. Whoa. Got into it for, an editing class kind of like showed some examples from it. And I just, man, that show, the first season, at least it's just oh, for sure. <laughs> easy to devour. Just so beautiful. Oh, so, so much great. moving camera. Man, the editing lectures so much over there are at. brutal. <laughs> Dude. Dude, we covered Dee yeah. Allen. Edit this motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't, really you good. can't How see a picture of Dee Allen every day when you walk in. Uh, well, we talked about the I other should. one. I talked about seeing Clue and stuff, and I'm kind of doing like rewatches and stuff. I haven't found the like the the show that I'm into at this particular moment. Although I know there's a lot of good shit out. My niece's name is Remy. My significant other, Angela, my girlfriend Angela, loves Paris and all things Paris. We rewatched Ratatouille, people, and it was so nice, fucking good. We rewatched Midnight in Paris a couple weeks ago, as I mentioned on the show. But oh, good for you, guys. Ratatouille is so. Good. It is so, so good. It is so good. The Michael Giacchino score, of course, is incredible, but just every single detail of this movie is so fucking good. Jeff, I ate at my favorite French restaurant in LA the other night. We were were having a moment. You didn't even realize it. I was eating snails and thinking of you. We talked about ratatouille. How small were the portions? Um, Not that small. Nice. I'll I'll bring you here. When you come here, we'll take you. It's good. It's peasant food. Uh, People... Thank you so much for tuning in for our Bonnie and Clyde episode. Thank you so much to Brandon Say, a.k.a. The Artist Dasein. Please listen to Dasein. all the Nasians and please listen to all of his music on Spotify or wherever else you get your music because Spotify doesn't pay their artists very much, although they do promote tours very well, which doesn't help us, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and let's get into it, guys. Next week, we're going to be, or in two weeks, next week, we're going to be talking about some movie from 1993. Hopefully Brandon Say approves. Brandon, anything you want to say to the people before we go? Uh, not just thanks so much for having me and uh, hopefully I get to come back uh, like I mentioned at the beginning October 13th is when the next EP is coming out so baby I'll come back out around then we can Whoa. Yeah. do a little release party October episode that'd be awesome Sweet. we would love that alright film fans thanks thank so you much, so guys. much thank you so much we'll see you next time bye I did some, some toe cutting <laughs> <laughs>